0: right. I just got back from Madagascar. I do not know what time it is. Uh, it's twelve hours difference there. My wife and I and my son, we were traveling and um, and it was just amazing. But that's another day when more stories. So you guys want me to just keep doing this? Like tomorrow too? No. <laughs> um it, I, I know we're ending with baptisms here and I gotta tell you, it was the first time I've ever done baptisms, I was down in in, in Madagascar in these, uh, speaking in this YWAM discipleship training school, and these students uh, gave their lives to the Lord, and they said, we want to be baptized, and the moment they came out of the water, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, (laughs) and there's nothing I could do. They, they like, they come out and (gasps) there's, and then they just passed out in my arms. I'm like, what is happening? This is dangerous. There's water. Like, and, and I'm just like, they're just limp. And I'm like, "Uh," and the first guy, I didn't even know it was going to happen, obviously. And he comes out and he's like, yes, in his language. And then he just (sighs) fell back. And I was like, (laughs) he's so happy, but he didn't come back up. He was like underwater. And then I'm like, oh, he's at the bottom of the pool. And I like dive in and me and my buddy, we, we pulled him out and he, oh, what has happened? I'm like, what has happened? He's like, I have no idea. <laughs> and so I'm excited for baptisms tonight. <laughs> uh, I, I don't bring that expectation on baptisms, but <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, I, like Josh said, we travel a lot, my family and I, uh, We've been privileged to travel um, and speak I'm a pastor in Boise at a church called Discovery Church And I have my friend Luke Davidson with me He's our worship leader at the church And so somehow we both got Sunday off And we're here this week (laughs) Um, But I want to share a story with you But before I do um, In these travels I, I find that even being called born again makes me an outsider. And so um, in Boise, our church works a lot with refugees. And so in our church, in Discovery Church, we have three different congregations. We have an Eritrean Ethiopian congregation. We have a Nepali congregation. And we have a Congolese congregation outside of just our 11 o'clock service. And I travel to these places quite a bit. and, And when I was in Ethiopia... Uh, At these refugee camps, Um, the main religion is Ethiopian Orthodox. And so when they ask me, am I Orthodox? I say, no, you know, I'm a Christian. Oh, are you one of those born-again Christians? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the way they say it is as if it's a a curse word. (laughs) You know, when I'm in the Philippines, the same thing. Oh, you're one of those born-againers, aren't you? I'm like, yeah. (laughs) i am is that bad (laughs) and so uh, as i travel and and i started realizing when i asked this question are you born again in madagascar is the same way i'm speaking uh at a christian discipleship training school and and i asked the room about 20 in the room can you say if you're born again can you confidently say that you're born again and only three could raise their hands. Three of the six staff that were in there could raise their hands, and that was it. And so that's, that's what I want to talk about today, because being born again is bringing us from the outside in. And the way I want to do this is just go through a story of adoption, but before I do, uh, I'm not going to do a show of hands in this room, because you guys didn't pay to come to a school, so I'm not going to put you on the spot. But I want, if you want to follow along, if you want to open your Bibles up to John three, we're just going to read this through because I think I think Jesus is trying to make a good point here. So starting at three one, there's a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who is a Pharisee, and after dark one evening he came to speak with Jesus and. He said rabbi he said we all know that god has sent you to teach us your miraculous signs and evidence that god is with you and jesus replied i tell you the truth unless you are born again you cannot see the kingdom of god what do you mean exclaimed nicodemus how can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, and just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell which, where it, com- it comes from Or where it is going So you can not explain how people are born of the Spirit But I believe God has given me a way to explain Being born of the Spirit And so I'm going to take you through a little bit of a story With my family And uh, my wife and I um, Before she was my wife I saw this really cute girl at church And I'm like, oh yeah One day, I think God, can she be my wife? <laughs> and so I started like pursuing after this girl named Anna, and she's, she's super cute. I'll show you a picture later, sorry. Uh, it's just the truth. She's half Filipino, and I'm like, man, I'm going to figure out how to get to know her. <laughs> and she was working with the children's ministry, and I was working with the youth, and I would just find my way down in the children's ministry all the time, and hey, what's going on? And, and then so finally she eventually decided to date me, and as we were dating, I had this dream. I had this dream that uh, Anna was on one end of the table and I was at the other. And we had all these children from many nations. And how do you tell your girlfriend <laughs> at the time, that's not even your wife, that you had a dream that, we're, that we were married and you have all these kids. And so I just had to wait and I had to hold on to this. And so, so I waited and, and then finally I proposed and she said yes. And I'm like, awesome I have this dream I've been holding on I have to tell you and so I told her and she's just like yes and so God spoke adoption into our marriage right away and and we haven't had any kids biologically and and that's not we just believe God has a plan and his plan for us is adoption and so about five years into our marriage no children were coming and and my wife was sad and I was sad and, and and then I just finally said to her God spoke us a plan I think it's time we started. She said, All right. And so we prayed and asked God, God, where is our child? Is he in the States? Is he in another country? And that day we heard the Lord say, The Democratic Republic of Congo. And we had no idea where that was, and so we pulled out a map, and sure enough it was in Africa, and we're like, What? There's no way. But this is what God said, and so so we just started doing research. Doing research on Africa and, and just the Congo in specific, and, and we started reading these stats. And the stats just started blowing us away. Just in the capital city of Kinshasa, over a million orphans run in the streets. And, and for a two year old, okay, just for a two year old, to make it to his two year old birthday, he has a 50% chance of making it if an orphan. And my son is now five, and if he would have stayed in orphan status, he would have had a 30% chance of making it to his five-year-old birthday. And so the stats just start crushing us, and we're like, okay, God, we're doing this no matter what. And that was the beginning of 2011, and that whole year goes by of paperwork and just waiting and waiting and waiting. And then... Uh, September of 2012, I was speaking at this men's event for our church and, and the topic was some things are worth fighting for and, and I was talking about fighting for uh, just God puts this stuff on our heart and justice and all those things and I'm talking about this son or daughter that I still don't even have a picture of and as I begin talking and sharing this story, my phone begins buzzing in my pocket and I'm like, I gotta finish preaching and you know, I gotta finish all this and it just keeps going and keeps going and so finally, I just like, everyone bow your heads and pray we're done, you know, and everyone bows their heads and I'm like, dear Lord, what's going on? Jesus, thank you for this wonderful time with these men. And then, and I see this text, and my wife had called like 30,000 times, and all these texts, and it says, we have a son. And I'm like, my heart's beating, and I'm like praying, and I'm like, and then in Jesus' name, amen. And I just looked at all the guys, and I'm like, I have a son. And they all rushed up and gave me this big hug. And and then I I got home, and my wife and I, we were just so nervous, but waiting to open the picture up together. And and we opened up the phone and opened the email, and this picture popped up. (laughs) And it said said in the email, Didier Eboma. He was abandoned, found ten days old in the streets of Congo. Would you like him to be your son? (laughs) And this never gets old. (laughs) I just stared at him and I just, he looks just like me. (laughs) Wow, God. Even though this story, I mean, he's five now, but this, this is just right here. So I couldn't stop thinking about him. My thoughts for him started just, they were consumed every night and every day and thousands of thoughts. And I just, I couldn't imagine what it was going to be like when he's five and when he's 10 and when he's 18 and his wedding day and all these. And I'm like, Anna's like, why are you aging him so quick? He's not even home yet. You know, and I'm like, I know, I know, but, but look at him. He's a miracle. You know, and, and this is exactly how it is with God. And, and I don't want you to get too caught up in my story. I want you to see the story of you with God in this. Okay, this is you and, and, and this, I'm going to kind of play God in the story. Okay, so <laughs> playing the father heart here. Okay. But my thoughts for my son, I truly believe outnumber the sands on the seashore. Psalm 139 says this about you. And we hear it and we think, oh, this is so good, but, but this is the reality. This is the reality. See, here I am seeing my son and going, man, I can't wait. I can't wait to have relationship with him. And the father is saying the exact same thing about you long before you even knew about the father. I can't wait to adopt my son. I can't wait to adopt my daughter long before you even knew his name. My son doesn't know anything about me at this point. He has no idea that there's some guy in Boise, Idaho longing (laughs) to hold him and to cherish him and to give him everything. All he is is stuck in orphan status. And it's so funny because we believe that there's something we have to do to get to God. Am I right? I got to do something to get to him. And yet, you look at this 10-day-old picture, and, and even if he knew, oh, hey, little boy, you, uh, yeah, you have a dad? Oh, I do? Wow. Yeah, you have a dad, and he's in, he's in Boise, Idaho. Wow. What do I need to do to get to him? Oh, you probably need to start paying the adoption loans and um, you probably should learn his last name. Yeah, Kindleberger. Yeah, you should learn that before you could ever be... It seems absurd, right? And yet this is how we treat God. God, how do I get to you? How, how, do, I, how do I become holy enough for you to even see me and know me? And yet it means nothing. Maybe I need to start tithing 10% and and maybe God would see my good deeds. And then maybe he'll accept me. And this great chasm of separation between my son and I called the Atlantic Ocean. What was he going to do? Build a boat? Or get on an airplane? Or or what? And they speak speak Lingala there. They don't even speak English. (laughs) And that this is what we do with God. And yet, God is longing and He's going to do everything to get to you. Everything to get to you up in Anchorage, Alaska. Like the ends of the earth. <laughs> <laughs> so, a whole year goes by, longing and waiting to be with my son. And, and by. This was in September, and by April, my son gets bit by a little mosquito and gets malaria and put in the hospital, and all I want to do is hold him and hug him and, and take care of him, and, and my heart is weeping, and, and my wife is crying, and like, what is going to happen? And there's nothing we can do about it. And then, and then two weeks go by, and he's, he gets healed, and, and he's out of the hospital, and he's lost all this weight, and, and, and then finally, September of 2013, we get this phone call that you are all done you can go and get your son. And we are so excited. And, and that happened September 2nd. And by the time we got all of our visas and our fingerprints and all that, September 27th, we were supposed to get on the airplane. And we got this phone call the night before. And they said, Brandon Kindleberger, we are so sorry. But all adoptions in the Congo are suspended indefinitely I'm like what does indefinitely mean they said there's no, there's no end so it would be totally irrational and, for you to get on an airplane and go because you're just going to meet your son and fall in love with him and, and, then you're, and then you have to go back you can't take him home I'm like that's evil <laughs> and they said well it's just the truth so, so you probably shouldn't go but we can't stop you have a nice day and they hang up, and I'm like, what just happened? No, everything was ready. Everything was done. And, and my wife is crying. I'm crying, and she goes, you know what, Brandon? I believe you're supposed to pray, and God's going to give you an answer. And I'm like, okay. You know, and, and we, no one wants to pray in these situations. And, and, like, everything crushes us, And but it's what we should do. And so I just, I fell on my knees in my bedroom, and I just began praying. Oh, God, what is happening? What are you doing? This kid needs me. You know, I'm just going at it. I said, Lord, if you want me to go, would you just show us? And this is no joke, I don't care what you believe, as real as your face, this angel kissed me on the cheek and said, go. And I just sat there and I'm like, this can't be real. And I'm looking around and I'm like, I'm just hallucinating or whatever and like, I had just so much tears and I said God if that was you please you know and, and just dude, as real as your face this angel kisses me on the cheek and just says go and so I wipe all the tears and I looked at my wife and I said we're going we're going to go get our son and she's like I knew God was going to tell you that I already packed everything up I'm like sweet And so that next morning we got on our airplane and we flew and we crossed the great chasm of separation because we had to do it, right? We had to do it. Any loving father would do it. We had to do it. And the Bible says, while you were still enemies, Christ died for you. And this little kid is no way my enemy. (laughs) And yet while we were God's enemies, he died for us because he knew that he had to cause the great separation of sin. Ephesians 1 says it so well. And I'm just going to just go through it a little bit. Sorry, Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2 says this. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. Whew. You used to live in sin. Just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil. What? Let's skip to four. But God's so rich in his mercy. He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, separated because of our sins, outsiders, he gave us life when when he raised Christ from the dead. He gave us life. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us up among the dead along with Christ, and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. God saved you by his grace. Verse 11, don't forget that you used to be outsiders. Verse 19, so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with God's holy people. And so we got on that airplane and we called the bluff of the Congolese government. We're like, we're going to bring our son home no matter what. We're going to show them who's boss. And we landed in the Congo. And the next day, they brought us out our son. And it was this amazing exchange for me. And probably the most awkward moment for him. And I'm holding him. and He doesn't even want to make eye contact with me. And so he just puts his head against my head like this. And we just sat there. If you want to see the picture, I got one, of the first moment with my son. He's probably like, your nose is huge. (laughs) And this is what it's like, this moment we meet God. For him, it's everything. I waited a whole year for this moment. And for us, it might not be this big exchange yet. For us, it might feel awkward. But in this moment, there was no separating him and I. This kid, 100 percent African, now becomes 100 percent Kindleberger, poor kid. My inheritance becomes his. He had to do nothing for it. By grace, it says we are saved this free gift, and in this moment, here's what happens, this born again, this is where I think God has shown me how to explain to be born again, because in this moment, my lawyer was right there, you can't see him, because all we cared about was him, and my lawyer is probably just right here, and he goes, Pastor Brandon, he would call me Pastor Brandon, because every day we would do Bible study, it was really fun, he goes, this old birth certificate of DDA's no longer matters. And so he took this birth certificate and it said, Father, Democratic Republic of the Congo, because he was just a child of the state, Father, Democratic Republic of the Congo, Didier Aboma. And he ripped up the old birth certificate because it no longer mattered. He was no longer a citizen of this anymore. His old life was truly gone in this moment. And then he presented us with a new birth certificate. In this moment, as if my son was born again into my family, and it said, Father, Brandon Kindleberger, Mother, Anna Kindleberger, Didier Brandon Lee Kindleberger. His name changed. And in this moment, everything changed. He was no longer an orphan, but my son. Do you hear that? And yet we think, we think all the time. What am I going to do? I probably lost my salvation. Or how could God truly love me, man? My son, just a few years ago, he, he found this bottle of uh, weed killer, and he started spraying all the neighbor kids. They're, like running around, like chasing them. Like I'm like, what are you doing? And I was pretty mad. I was so mad. I went to him and I said, What are you doing? I took his birth certificate and ripped it up, and I said, You can't be in my family anymore, son. Until, until you work your way back or you earn your way back, you can't be in this because you are a naughty boy. Yeah, we laugh in here because it's funny. And do you think that's how we treat God? All the time, this loving Father, He really, really loves you, actually wants to be with you. And, and we go and make these mistakes and we think, oh no, that's it. I mean, how many times can I really ask him to save me? And how many times can I really ask him to be in his family? And it says I'm a child of God. And, but, but what does that mean? I probably lost that. And, and then it just becomes works and it becomes ridiculous. No, he actually wants to be with us. It says, it says we are a new creation. Adopted into his family. Sons of God. And my Bible actually only says Sons. It doesn't say sons and daughters because even when he sees a daughter, all he sees is Jesus. That's it. And he really loves us. We beat ourselves up every single time wondering, there's no way. But we're born again. A new birth certificate presented to you. It's pretty incredible. And, and when this exchange happened, it wasn't like, oh, cool. Oh, now you're my son. See you later. I couldn't get back on the plane without him. Matter of fact, I didn't want to ever be separated from him. It's actually pretty hard to be up here with him. He travels quite a bit with me. My family does. He's been to 11 countries already. We just go get things done. That's what we do. <laughs> He loves to be with me, and I love to be with him, and and that's actually how God is with us. And so even though the Congo said, okay, you can't take him home, you better go, I was going to call him out because there's no way I was going to leave him. And so I went down to the office and I said, hey, can can I take my son? I mean, we look pretty good together, everything's going well, and they said, no, you can't. I'm like, okay, well, surely it's just today. He's probably in a bad mood. And so I tried the next day and I tried the next day and then a week turned into two weeks and I was only supposed to be there 10 days. That's all we packed for and that's all we brought money for. And then it turned into three weeks and then it turned into four weeks and then it turned into five and six. And finally after two months, I I was like, I demand a meeting. And I took my son and I went down there to the office and I said, I'm not leaving until I have a meeting with the high official here. And they're like, okay. So I waited hours. <laughs> and finally they called me in. And so I, I get in there, and, and and they said, have a seat, Mr. Kindleberger, and so, sorry, I'm leaving the thing. So I had a seat, <laughs> I said, it's nice to meet you. I said, so can I go home now? <laughs> you know, we're finally here, I look, you know, look at us, we're cute. <laughs> and this is what he says to me, he says, sir. I'd rather your son die in an orphanage than go home with you. You look like you want to punch me, but <laughs> don't take it out on me. It's the truth. And I actually have to like relive this moment quite a bit. And so I'm just sitting at him and eye contact and he just says, I would rather your son die in an orphanage than go home with you. <laughs> that's a good chapter right there (laughs) I think I finally at that moment realized the weight the weight of this spiritual battle inside of us the devil would so much rather you die as an orphan than be with this good good father we just sang about he would so much rather you be separated and die spiritually orphaned and go off doing your own thing and, and run in the streets and feeling lost and depressed and anxious and hurt. And That's where he wants us. And, and I didn't fully understand that. I didn't fully understand that kind of evil until it looked me straight in the eyes and said, man, I, honestly, I'd rather your son die in an orphanage than be with you. I couldn't understand it, and and so I just said thank you. <laughs> what do you say? Have a good day. And I and I left. I went home, and, and I told my wife, and and then this fight really took over inside of me, and so I just kept going back, <laughs> and no one would give me a meeting, and no one would give me a meeting, and 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 it just kept happening, and 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 then I'm sitting there in the waiting room, and they had these plastic chairs, and and I'm and I was like. No one was in there, and I just sat there. It's like, someone's going to acknowledge me. And so finally, one day, someone did. And they came out, and they started stacking all the chairs. They're like, maybe if we stack the chairs, this guy would leave. And so they started stacking the chairs, and I just heard the Holy Spirit say, help him stack the chairs. And I'm like, you serious? <laughs> and so I started, I'm like, okay, God. And so, so I started stacking the chairs, and this guy's like, what is wrong with you? And, and I made this stack, and I lifted him up, and I said, where would you like the chairs to go? And he goes, uh, back here. And so I carried him back with him, and we put him in the back room, and I set him there, and then I just sat on the wall without a chair and waited another four hours until the office closed. And that was it, I was like, man, well, I, I think they made their, ma- they made their point. <laughs> and so I went back home, and I said, Anna, I think it's done, I don't think I should go back, let's just live in the Congo for the rest of our lives. She's like, okay, sounds fine. <laughs> And so now it was Thanksgiving and, and, or around Thanksgiving and, and my wife's um, sister is about to get married and she wanted to go to the wedding and she's like, I'll just go home, I'll be gone a week and then I'll fly back with just a bunch of stuff and we'll plan to live here. And I'm like, yeah, sounds good. And so she leaves, goes home and, and that night my lawyer shows up and says, I don't know what you did. I don't know what you did the last time you went into that office, but, but something happened. I'm like, what, what happened? They said, they want to send you home with your son. I'm like, that, that would have been a lot more helpful if my wife was here. <laughs> they said, sorry, but this is just how it's going to have to be. You're going to have to fly home with your son. I'm like, oh, sweet, when? They said, next week. They're going to stamp your paperwork. They're, they're excited to send you. And I'm like, what? why? And they said, well, something happened when you started stacking the chairs. This guy all of a sudden just had a heart for you and said, I want that guy to go home. I'm like, okay, well, I'll take that as an answer. And so, and so that was it. I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of explanation other than I said, I, I, I said, okay, well, let's buy our tickets. And so we got on and we bought tickets. But they said, well, you can't fly through Kinshasa, the capital of the Congo. You need to fly through Brazzaville, the other Congo. There's two Congos. It's confusing. You have to fly through there. And I said, why? And they said, well, they're used to, they're supposed to look for white guys with black kids and to obtain them. And so you got to go this way. Okay. You have to cross the river. Okay. And here's the other thing. They know that they're not just going to let you cross with some Congolese kid. So, so we're going to have to escort DDA. And I'm like, whoa. All right. Sounds good. And so sure enough, I, I mean, I didn't know anything other than a knock on the door at 6 a.m. And this lady shows up and goes, hi, I'm taking your son across the river. I'm like, oh, who are you? And she goes, I'm the one that they told me to bring. And, and so I I said, okay. I handed my son off to her. And he just starts crying. Because at this moment in his life, he now lost his mom and he doesn't know where she went. Right? After three months. <laughs> and now dad's handing him off to some random person. And, and to not get over spiritual here or anything crazy, when I handed my son off, all I could think of Was Jesus on the cross And my son just starts crying And he's dad dad And they just like She held him And he's just bawling And she just walks off with him And all I could think of in this moment In my anxiety In my stress Because I'm going to catch the next boat Hoping and praying She takes him across Was Jesus saying My God my God Why have you forsaken me Why have you left me and we have these moments with God all the time. God, where are you? What are you doing? And yet, yet he has this plan carried out that we don't understand. And and my son is off, and, and I'm waiting for my ride, and I'm just like, when is this going to happen? And my lawyer shows up and puts me on a boat, and we cross over, and, and sure enough, there's my son. He's, dad! He sees me because I'm kind of stand out in the Congo. And... Uh, He's super excited, just daddy, daddy, and I'm like, hey, buddy, and then my lawyer goes, what are you doing, and hits me, and he goes, you can't do this here, and he goes, hi, son, and then my heart's just aching, and my son's like, you're not my dad, and, and the lawyer, hi, son, and grabs him and holds him, and my son's just screaming over his shoulder, daddy, daddy, and then they put us in a taxi, and we drive off to the airport, just like that. <laughs> And just like that, it was over. After three months, and and I'm cutting my story down because I'm watching this ticker thing, and and I'm getting nervous. No, I'm just joking. And we get on this airplane, and we fly off, and I'm like, can it really be? God, was that really your plan? That seemed chaotic. I haven't slept in like 50 hours. What's going on? And and we land in in France, and my wife doesn't even know any of this. And I call my wife, and I'm like, hey, we're in France. She's like, what the? <laughs> you know, and I'm doing some FaceTime. My son peed all over me, and I'm like, see, you know, it was, it was, just, it was just nuts. And, and, but the whole time, I'm just thinking, God, it, it wasn't supposed to end like this, was it? What is happening? You know, and I get on the flight from France to Salt Lake City. That was a long flight. And I'm sitting there, and and they they said, Sir, we see that you have a little baby, and there's no way you're going to be able to take care of him by yourself. How about you move to the back of the plane, and I'll be your own flight attendant. There's no one back there. And so she moves me to the far back of the plane, I have my own flight attendant. And there's no one for four rows in front of me, all the way, window to window. I could look at anything I wanted on both sides. and, And it was sweet. My son could run around. But then all of a sudden, this guy, before the flight takes off, decides to sit right next to me. And I'm thinking, dude, are you serious? What are you and he goes, hi, I, go, hi uh, I have a one-year-old. And he goes, no, no problem, man. I I want to sit here. And I'm like, OK. And I go, what's your name? I can't remember his name right now for some reason. And anyway, uh, shake hands. I go, where are you going? He goes, I'm going to Boise, Idaho. And we're, remember, we're in Paris. And I'm like, sweet, me too. What are you doing, Boise? He goes, I'm a Boise police officer. I'm like, wow, my brother's a Boise police officer. He goes, oh, really? What's your brother's name? I go, his name's Jason Kindleberger. And he goes, are you serious? I'm like, yeah. Jason Kindleberger is my partner. And so I'm like, oh, this is going to be good. My family has no idea I'm coming home. And so I take a little selfie with him in in the Salt Lake Airport. And, um. We send that to my family and he's like, what, where are you? How did he get to the Congo? (laughs) (laughs) And the only reason I share the, I could have stopped at the birth certificate, right? That's where the sermon is. That's where the, that's where salvation is. That's where, that's where all the heart of it is. But, but I add the rest of this because I sometimes think we just go, oh, what's after salvation? Salvation. You know, we we learn about discipleship classes and read the Bible and pray, but but there's so much more to that. Like, God really wants to be with us. He fights for us. He cares about us. He cares about our needs. He cares about the details. He puts this guy on this, what I thought was a random flight that I bought in the last minute, but he had this all planned out. For what? To show how good he is and to show that that he really, really cares that he's in the details he's in every little part of your life where, he thought, where you thought he never showed up and my son, my son now five years old and my wife and uh, like I said we travel and, and my son just wants to do what his dad's doing and that's really all this Christian walk is I just want to do what the father's doing If my father is in the business of adoption, I want to be in the business of adoption. I want to tell people how amazing he is. And I don't want to get so lost in theology. I I just want to focus on Jesus because he is perfect theology. He shows us how to love one another, how to care for one another, how to love our enemies, how to love our neighbor as ourselves. How to love the Lord your God with all your heart. He is the perfect example of all of it. He's the reason we're adopted. And we can get so lost and caught up in these little things. I wonder, man, God, where are you? And I just love it. I, I'm sure you get enough of Romans 8, but I can't get enough of it. And this is the picture of adoption in Romans 8 it says the same holy spirit romans 8:11 that raised christ from the dead now dwells in you you can't see the kingdom of heaven unless you are born of water and of spirit and you were once dead because of your sin and now the same holy spirit that raised christ from the dead for those that call on the name of jesus dwells inside of you. And so, you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you have received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now we call on him, Abba, Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. My son, 100% African. 100% mine. Us, 100%. Right here, Brandon Kindleberger from Boise, Idaho. That's how I want to look at it. It's kind of ho-hum. And yet, 100% in heir with Christ. Do you understand? This born again thing, this is what it's all about. This old birth certificate ripped up, and a new one presented. A new one, even in your mistakes, presented. Not taken away, but given to you freely. Not by what we have done, but what Christ has done. Taking on the cross, scorning its shame for us. Amen? I thought I'd just show you a picture of my family, because we're pretty happy. We just got back from Paris. (laughs) Yeah, he's everything This is what God wants Not that we would be outsiders anymore But that we would be brought in And we're going to end with, adopt, uh, with, with Baptism And all baptism is All baptism is Is an adoption ceremony Actually another synonym For baptism Is adoption Because it's this full submerging that's happening, right? We are fully submerged into the family of God, and and when we're out and we go in, it represents this death, right? It represents the ripping and the tearing of the old life, of the old certificate, gone. The death. We are buried with Christ. And when we come out of the water, it represents that new life. It's a joyous day. And and when someone gets baptized, we applaud it and we celebrate with them because we're celebrating our new brothers and sisters in Christ. Whether they made that decision five years ago to follow him or you're making it right now saying, oh, this is all it is. This is all God wants. This is how he loves me. And so I don't know what's going on in here, but, but maybe today is a day, or tonight is the night, that we get to celebrate your adoption. And if you said yes to Jesus, Jesus, yes, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I confess that you rose again from the grave, that I may have everlasting life, then you will not be put to shame, it says. And maybe you've prayed this prayer a hundred thousand times like I did as a kid. (laughs) I prayed this prayer on Halloween night, 11 years old. Jesus, would you come into my life? And yet I didn't fully understand it. And so I probably prayed it a million times through high school in junior high thinking I lost my salvation every single day. Not understanding this born again, new life in Him. And so I'm just going to pray it again, and if God is doing something in you, or that you're just understanding what it means to be born again, that you're understanding where you belong in Him, because that's all we're searching for, isn't it, belonging? Pray we find it in his family. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you. We can't thank you enough. <laughs> there is nothing we can do to get to you. Nothing. And yet you crossed the great separation to get to us. That we may be adopted and called your own. And we thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross. That you took our spot. (laughs) You didn't wait for us to memorize your scripture. You didn't wait for us to to pay tithe. You didn't wait for us to do anything, God. You didn't wait for us to become perfect. Because there's no perfection without you, Jesus. we believe that the same Holy Spirit that rose you from the grave desires to inhabit our soul desires to take over that it would cry out Abba Father would you begin Lord to take over and and show us to show us (laughs) what this real life is with you this abundant life is with you And we are no longer outsiders, but brought into your family. We love you, Lord Jesus. Today, may we celebrate adoption. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, if you want to be baptized today, if this is something God's stirring inside of you, even through this song or whatever, uh, would you just head out to the lobby? They have shorts for you. They have shirts for you. They have towels for you. They have a blow dryer for you. There's like no excuse here. (laughs) So if this is something that God is prompting in you, that you're saying, yeah, yeah, I'm born again. Yeah, I'm adopted in the family of God, and I want the whole world to know it. Well, at least like right here, to know it. (laughs) We, We just ask that through this song that you would just head out into the lobby and uh, someone will be out there to meet you and talk to you what baptism is and we'll head out and and do these in in a few songs. So, that sound all right? Okay. (laughs) Let's sing. If you'd like to stand together. It's so good to be here.